Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. I read a story this past week, and I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I read it right. It's very eye-opening. This is the story. A man went to church with an angel as his guide. Every seat in the church was filled, but there was something strange about the service. The organist moved her fingers over the keys, but no music came from the pipes. The choir rose to sing. Their lips moved, but no sound was to be heard. The preacher stepped to the pulpit to read the scriptures, but the man observing with the angel could not even hear the pages rustle. Then the Lord's Prayer was recited by the entire congregation, but not a single syllable was audible. The preacher went again to the pulpit, and the man could tell he had started his sermon as he gestured here and there to make his various points. But the man heard nothing. Turning to the angel, the man said, I don't understand. What does this mean? I see that there is a service being held, but I hear nothing. The angel replied, you hear nothing because there is nothing to be heard, at least not by heaven's ears. They're just going through the motions. Nothing they are doing has any meaning for them. Worship without heart is not worship at all. Think of that phrase. Worship without heart is not worship at all. Kind of hits you with a knife, doesn't it? Kind of cuts you to the quick as we think about that. You know, we don't like to talk about worship. We just don't. Because worship is personal. It's very personal to us. Well, I want you to know something. Worship is personal. It is personal to God and Him alone. It's not about us. It's about God and about Him alone. Uh, we make it something it's not intended to be, but it's really about God. So here at Western Heights Baptist Church, we've been trying to engage in authentic worship. Whether that's in our first service or second service, we want to engage in authentic worship and what that looks like. So we've been going through a series called Authentic Worship. And we've been looking at some of the, uh, some of the characteristics of that as we've looked at some of the Psalms. and We looked at Exodus. And we've been looking at that pattern of worship, that experience of worship, spending a lot of time in the hymnal of the ancient Hebrew people. So, but worship, authentic worship, if we do not engage in authentic worship, it's really not worship at all. There's really nothing to it. But I think when we engage in authentic worship, we experience authentic worship, we participate in authentic worship, there are some benefits that we get from it. And that's not the reason we do it. We do it to praise God and honor Him. But there are some benefits that come with us. So open your Bibles to Exodus, I mean Exodus, oh man, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. As we look at Psalm 84, we'll look at this entire psalm. And as we look at it, I think we'll pick up some truths that we can, we can gain or we can experience from authentic worship. We'll look at these words this morning under the heading, the benefits of authentic worship. Uh, maybe you'll recognize some of these words as we, uh, uh, we go through them. Uh, listen to what the psalmist says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. 
Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Three benefits. In authentic worship, we experience God's presence. In authentic worship, we experience God's presence. When he's talking about this, the psalmist is talking about the dwelling place of God. Now, we do not know who the writer of this psalm is. Uh, we know it's not David. It's someone else. It says it's to, of, of the sons of Korah, uh, the worship leaders, uh, those ones in charge of the temple. Uh, we don't know, but nevertheless, we know who the real author is. It's God. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, someone has written this and has preserved us for us by the inspiration of God. So we know these words come from God. But this individual is saying he longs for the dwelling place of God. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Now he's talking about the temple. The temple was, was not built by David, but David raised all the finances, all the money to build the temple that was eventually built by his son Solomon. Now they tell us that the cost of the temple in today's money was $4.9 billion uh, in, in, uh, in, precious, in precious metals, gold, silver, copper, $4.9 billion in today's uh, money. So this is a pretty pretty big endeavor. We know from his history it took seven and a half years to build the temple. And we know that the temple was built by 30,000 uh, Hebrews and by 150,000 Canaanites. So it was a massive structure that they built. Verse 2, he says, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. That word yearning means a loud cry that's associated with your, your, your pain, with your groaning. In other words, the, the temple worshiper has a strong desire to worship in the temple. But if you go back and look at it a little further, it's not really the temple that he wants. He wants something else. Look at the latter part of verse 2. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. What he really wants, he wants to be in the presence of God. He wants to experience that presence and that, that experience with God through that worship celebration. He longed for intimacy of God's presence. We often think of, of worship as being in the sanctuary. As a matter of fact, I don't even like the word sanctuary. Sanctuary was something lives, like a bird sanctuary. This is an auditorium. This is not really a sanctuary. God does not dwell here. But we like to think of God being in the sanctuary, but we forget that we're the sanctuary. God dwells in us. 
He dwells in us. We're the sanctuary God wants to inhabit that. And what? He wants to inhabit the praise of his people is what he wants to do. But we, we, we are the sanctuary. But what this individual says, I, I yearn, I long for, to, for, to, for God to the point of fainting. Okay, now here's a question I'm going to ask you, okay? If you know who this person is, raise your hand, okay? How many of you know who Paul Newman is? Okay, many of you. The reason I ask that, Rachel, I'm sorry, sweetie, I'm picking on you, okay? I told that story in our, uh, in our staff meeting, and Rachel said, who's Paul Newman? <laughs> and I realized, oh man, I said, Rachel, Rachel. I said, He's, he was kind of the Matthew McConaughey of, of a previous generation. She goes, who's Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> And I said, Rachel, there's no hope for you, girl. There's no hope. <laughs> anyway, so when I tell you this story, some of you are going to have an aha moment. If you don't know who Paul Newman is, put Matthew McConaughey in there. And it'll have the same effect, okay? Or Brad Pitt, if you prefer. Whoever, whoever your, your, your guy is, okay? A woman went, was in Kansas City, and she, attended, she went to a local Haagen-Dazs ice cream place in Kansas City. And she ordered her ice cream. And just as it had to be, Paul Newman was in town filming the movie Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. As she turned around, she saw Paul Newman, his blue eyes penetrated her heart. And she looked at him, she sta and she stared at him, and her, she said her knees went weak. Uh, she began to get, get pitter-patter in her heart. And she, she immediately took her change, put it in the purse, and ran out the door to get away. As she got down, she realized she didn't have her ice cream cone. So she, so she went back. As she was going in the door, she met Paul Newman at the door. And Paul Newman said, are you looking for your ice cream cone? And she nodded her head. He goes, you put it in your purse with your change. <laughs> now here's the thing. Here's the thing. When was the last time worship of God made your heart flutter? When was the last time that your knees buckled in the presence of God? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. When was the last time that the presence of God quickened your pulse? What the psalmist is saying in this passage, he says, man, I have got to have it. I have got to experience God. I have got to be in his presence. I have got to have that because that's what's going to sustain me. That's what's going to help me in this life in which I live. He says, I've got to have him. He says, I am hungry for God. God is the only thing that can satisfy my appetite. I have this craving for God. He says it's a compelling hunger. He desired to experience God's presence. We are to desire authentic worship because it draws us into the very presence of God. We experience Him in a new and fresh way. And we need to experience God in our lives. The psalmist goes on and he says, He's even jealous over the little birds that gather there. Verse 3, Even the sparrows have found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. He goes, Man, I wish I could be like the birds who have made their nest in the temple. He said, that, that, that's what I want. I, I long to be there on a continual basis. And then in verse 4, he almost gives us like a, a new beatitude. Or maybe it's an old beatitude. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. 
Blessed are those who dwell in your presence. Blessed are those who are continually in your presence. He says, they are ever praising you. They are ever praising you. This is what he says in this passage. We, and when we have authentic worship, we experience God's presence in a new and, and an exciting way. And here's the thing we discover. When you draw into His presence, you engage in authentic worship, guess what? You keep coming back for more and more and more. You just keep coming back because you want that, that exhilarating experience in your life. Once you have been in the Lord's presence, you won't want anything else. And I am convinced the reason that many churches today, and I have been in a bunch of them, okay? The reason that many churches today are dead and lifeless and dying is because they're not experiencing authentic worship. And they're not being drawn into the presence of God. And He's renewing their strength daily. However, in authentic worship, we experience the presence of God. Second truth. In authentic worship, we experience God's power. We see this in verses 5 through 9 of the passage. And look at verse 5. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Almost another beatitude. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And this is the truth we must learn over and over in this life that we live. God's power is a source of blessing in our lives. It's in authentic worship that we get connected to God. And in that, he, is the, he gives us access to the greatest source of strength that we could ever have. He is in us. He dwells in us. And wherever we go, God's presence is with us to help us. No matter where we go, no matter how desperate it may seem, we experience God's presence. Now the writer talks about a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage that a person makes to Jerusalem to the house of God, to the place where the temple sat. He talks about this pilgrimage, and he talks about the difficulty you may face on the way. And the key here, he looks, he says, if you go through the valley of Baca, we don't know what the valley of Baca is. We don't know if it's a real valley uh, over in Israel somewhere, or it's an expression to signify difficulty or hardships, or suffering, and sorrow. Uh, we just don't know. But the key is found in the word Baca. Baca. The word baca is a tree in an arid, dry place. And it came to be known as a place of weeping, a place of desolation. It became known as a place of, of difficult times and suffering and hardship and heartache. And let's be honest. We sometimes go through some desolate times, don't we? Don't we go through some hard times in our life? We just don't think we can go on. We don't think we can continue. We have no hope. We have no help. We're not experiencing happiness. We're not experiencing peace in our life. But here's the good news. In authentic worship, we experience God's power to keep on keeping on. We experience it in a new and fresh way. And the Bible says that, we, that, verse 7, we will go from strength to strength until we are able to worship God again. You know, this week as, a, as I, I spent time with my dad at the hospital and eventually at the home where he's, he's put on a hospice, he said, you know, it's very, very pressing. Very, very pressing on you emotionally and physically. But I knew, I knew that, man, I, I, I'm going to get revived. 
I'm going to get revived as I come and spend some time with my brothers and sisters of the Lord and getting to worship with Him. And that's why those songs were right on, right on point. Death has no power over my dad. The grave has no power over my dad. And so, so we can celebrate, we can worship, because I know, I know, I know that my dad is going to close his eyes here with those who love him, and he's going to open his eyes there with the one who loved him first. And so we worship him because it sustains us and gets us through those times of sadness. And so we go from strength to strength. And as we go through the week, we know we can be revived and encouraged again. We can find the power that enables us to endure. The idea is that God is like a water in the desert. He's like a piece of fruit in dry land. And as we worship, as we experience authentic worship, He renews us. He transforms us. And we get stronger and stronger in that. Why is that? Why is that? Because His power is within us. And it's, it's reviving us on a constant basis. His power is there today and every day to help us live for Him. And the truth is, we cannot live the Christian life without His power. We can't do it. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we can't live the Christian life in our own power. We will succumb to every temptation and every trial and every heartache that comes our way. We will give in to it. But... When we experience authentic worship, it says that God will renew our strength. We will mount up like eagles, and we will walk and not faint, and we will run and not grow weary. That comes out of Isaiah. In that book in Isaiah, it says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That word that he used there for hope means those who intertwine themselves with God. He said, when you wrap yourselves around God and you hang on Him, he says, as at that moment, when you experience God in that way, he says, that's when He renews your strength. That's when you will mount up like wings of eagles. You will run and you'll not faint. Why? Because you have put all, everything you have on God. Man, God, I am hanging on for dear life with you. I, my life is intertwined with yours. That's what authentic worship does. And he says, says we will go from strength the strength. Authentic worship helps us experience God's power. But so many of us, so many churches today, and I'm not being critical of them, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, to make a statement that is so true. So many of us just go through the motions and we never venture out of our little comfort zones. We've, and when we do, we find out that we do not experience the power of God. We just don't do it. Because we're just going through the same thing over and over and over. There's nothing fresh. There's nothing new. There's nothing vibrant. Like I said last week, we're just living on old news. There's nothing new. Nothing new. We have to come to God totally broken and totally available to Him. Say, God, here I am. Here I am. Shape me. Mold me. Transform me into the image of your Son on a daily basis. In authentic worship, we experience God's power. Final truth, in, experience, in an authentic worship, we experience God's provision. The psalm says that there's, there's so much, that worshiping God is so much better than anything else you could ever serve. Look at what he says in verse 10. He goes, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Y'all hear, we sang that song, right? Did y'all pick up on that? 
said, yeah, it comes right out, of the, right out of the hymn, right out of the psalm. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Let me give that to you in the unpublished Worley version. Okay? I call this the UWV. Okay, it's yet to be published. It's the unpublished Worley version. Uh, this is what it is. Now, this is relevant for me. It may not be relevant for you. Uh, I would rather spend one day in this beautiful place of worship than a thousand days on a white sanded beach. Some of you, I mean, I'll, I'll translate it for you. I would rather spend one day in this beautiful place than on any cruise that I could go on. I would rather spend one day in this beautiful place of worship than any mountain that I could go to. You see, you just put in there what you, whatever is, whatever you love, whatever you, whatever you love. When you draw into the presence of God, let me tell you, it is a thousand times better than anything you love. That's what the psalmist is trying to say. He said, nothing compares to worshiping God. I think it was Mac Powell on third day. He said, nothing compares to the greatness of loving you, Lord. Nothing compares. But the psalmist is not through. He goes on. Look at the second part uh, of that phrase. He said, verse 10, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Again, the unpublished worldly version. Here it is. Y'all ready? I would rather scrub floors in God's house than be an honored guest in the den of sin. That's what he's saying. The psalmist is saying, look, I would rather be doing some insignificant menial task than doing anything in some royal court anywhere. So whenever we sit back there at those doors and we strain at gnats to get people to do this. I don't get it, but hey, we're humans and we're, we're prone to that. We strain at gnats, but when you're standing at that door, that front door, and you're greeting people with a smile that comes in, guess what? You are ushering people into the presence of God. And it is not insignificant. When you, when, you're, when you make coffee and you set out little cakes and little cookies for everybody, I said, yeah, you are serving the king of kings. And it is not a menial task. When you stand at the door and you pass out a bullet and you say, man, it is great to have you worshiping with us today. We are so excited that you're here. You are not doing anything menial. It all is important. It is just as important as me standing up here and proclaiming the word of God. The difference is I get paid to be good you're good for nothing. Okay? <laughs> That's what the psalmist is saying. He said, man, you know, I, I'll scrub toilets. I'll do whatever it is. That's what I always say. When, when I told y'all this a while back, when I sent Jeremy up to Alaska with my daughter, I wanted to keep her and send him, but he wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> I, I said, Jeremy, don't be afraid to clean toilets. Don't be afraid to clean toilets. There are no menial tasks in the kingdom of God because you do it for Him. And you do it to give Him praise. You do it to give Him glory. That's what the implication is. That's what the psalmist is trying to say. He said when it comes, when it comes to finding happiness, when it comes to finding contentment in life, there's nothing that compares to worshiping and serving God. Nothing. Nothing. God will provide everything that the person needs. But many of us still choose to find happiness and contentment in other ways. You know, Blaise Pascal said there's a God-sized vacuum within us that only God can satisfy, that only God can fill. But we try to fill that void. We try to fill that emptiness in our life. I'm reminded of a story I read of an elderly man who was walking down the street. And he, he was walking down the street and he heard this, help me, help me. And he looked around trying to find out where the noise was coming. He couldn't find it. So he kept walking. And eventually he said, help me, help me. And he looked down and he saw a little bitty frog on the ground. It's a fairy tale, okay? Okay. 
a fairy tale on the ground and he looked down and the fairy tale said, help me, help me. I'm really a beautiful princess and if you'll kiss me, I will love you for the rest of your life and stand by your side. And so the man thought about it and he picked up the princess and uh, picked up the frog and put it in his pocket. And he started on his walk. Eventually a little frog looked up from his pocket and said, I told you I'm a beautiful princess. If you will kiss me, I will love you the rest of your life and be with you and be devoted to you. And he looked at, he looked at the little frog and said, ah, frankly, at this stage of my life, I just soon have a talking frog. <laughs> Here's the point. Here's the point. God promises so much more, so much more, but we are content and satisfied with little things. We're content. So we never experience God. We never engage in his power. Listen, I am convinced. I said this last week, two weeks ago, the week before, the week before. I am convinced that if we authentically worship God, people will be knocking down our doors to get in. Because they will want to experience the presence of God. They want to experience that power in their own life. Nothing will keep people away from experiencing the power of God in their life. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. I don't think we'll ever get there. But the question is, are we trying on a daily basis to get there? We will never truly experience it until we get in the presence of God. When we pass away. I think when we get there, it said, man, we sure missed it, didn't we? We sure missed it. We sure missed it. But this is what it is. That's the way many of us are. We are content with insignificant things that bring no meaning to life. We seek what the world has to offer instead of what God has to offer. We have no desire to experience God in authentic worship because, to be honest, we don't think we need anything. We're perfectly content. We're perfectly satisfied. We don't need anything. The psalmist says, everything he needed, God was able to supply. He was content to worship God and to serve God, even if it meant doing the lowliest and the, and the simplest task there was. He knew that God would be abundant and to be adjust with everything that he needed. Note the description of what he says about God as he gets into verse 11. He says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. Stop and think about it. He says, he's a sun. In other words, he guides us. The Lord God will guide us as we go, but he also protects us. That's what it means. He's a sun and he's, he's a shield. A light to guide our path and protection for all of our times. He also not only says he's the son of shield, he says the Lord bestows favor and honor. What that literally means is that God places his smile upon us and we receive the benefits of his passion for us. That's cool. So when we engage in authentic worship, get this, get this, we bring a smile to God's face. When we engage in authentic worship. Next thing he says, he says, no good thing does he withhold. When we engage in authentic worship, we experience God's provision. The Bible says that, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Heavenly lights. Who gives freely and does not show favoritism. He gives it to all. We're not talking about health, wealth, and make you wise. I'm going to tell you what, you know, you're probably not going to get everything you want, but God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. And then when you get to heaven, you find out, I said, you know, I didn't really need that after all. God's going to take care of it. He's going to provide. But the majority of us are not experiencing his presence. We're not experiencing his power. We're not experiencing his provision. We don't know the joy that comes from authentic worship. 
And to be honest, the joy of the Lord is just flat out missing in our life. You know, we kind of walk around like Eeyore. Thanks for noticing. So come on, man, come on. I'd rather have a bunch of Tiggers than a bunch of Eeyores. Right? I can control Tigger. Come on, Tigger, settle down. You know, that's the way we are. Things get in the way. Whatever it is. And we're not growing. We're not growing. It used to be in Southern Baptist Church, I think this is still true, in many Southern Baptist churches, because Southern Baptists are always 15, 20 years behind the times. That's just the way it is. You know why that is? Because we've got to have a committee to debate it. So we're 15, 20 years behind the times. And it used to be that you could walk into any Southern Baptist church, any place in the country, and it'd be the exact same worship in every, in every one. It's just the way it was. You know, prelude, you know, a song coming in, announcements, you sing three hymns, you do an offering, you take a, do another hymn, special music, sermon, invitation, you close, it was it. Every place around that. We don't do that here. We don't even give you a bulletin because we don't want you to know what's coming up. We want you to go, ooh, what's next? <laughs> Listen, if we're not growing in our knowledge, if we're not growing in the Lord, if we're not growing in the wonder of the Lord, we're not experiencing His presence, the awe's gone. We should be in awe of His presence. In the little book, Prince Caspian, which is the second of the Chronicles of Narnia series, Little Lucy uh, discovers Aslan after a, a long period of time. And she engages in a dialogue with Aslan. And this is what she says, Aslan, you are bigger. And Aslan responds, that is because you are older, little one. And she says, not because you are older. And Aslan says to Lucy, I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Here's the point. Aslan represents Christ. Uh, in case y'all didn't know, it's an allegory. Aslan represents Christ who does not change. But the older we get and the wiser we become, we begin to learn, learn, she would learn more about Aslan and we would begin to learn more about Christ. As she would see the greatness and the freshness and how wonderful his ways were. It's the same way with us. As we get older, as we get wiser, as we mature in our faith, we will see God differently. He doesn't change, but we will see Christ differently than we ever knew him before. Ever knew him before. But many of us are still looking at Christ because we've never grown in our relationship with him. Never. And so we don't get to experience His greatness and His glory and His grandeur in any way other than what it was. Our view of God must become bigger. We must be able to embrace an image of God that we have not yet embraced. We must be in awe of Him when we come into His presence. We need to engage in authentic worship with all our strength, with all our might, and with all our heart. And as Jesus told the woman at the well, as she was tied up on, on we worship at this mountain, we, have, we worship in this way, Jesus said, woman, I'm not going to get involved in worship wars. He said, woman, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when we won't worship on the mountain, we won't worship the way. There's a day coming we will worship God in spirit and in truth. We worship in spirit and truth. And when we do that, 
we will receive the benefits of it. We will experience his presence. We will experience his power. And we will experience his provision in our lives. It's my hope and it's my prayer that you too want to experience authentic worship. You want to engage in authentic worship so you can experience his presence, his power, and his provision in your life.